This is Steel City Business, the Sheffield Business Podcast. Welcome to Steel City Business. I'm James Marriott, and today we are talking to Tim Wooliscroft, who is um, well a digital academic and a digital innovation consultant. Tim, I'm going to start with a real nice, easy question. What on earth is Industry 4.0? So Industry 4.0 is the fourth industrial revolution. Now, when people think of the industrial revolution, most people just think of the first industrial revolution, the transformation away from agriculture to to kind of coal and steel and so on. But another conceptualization, another way of thinking about it is that some people argue that, that there's been a number of different industrial revolutions. So you've got the first one, and the second one is the kind of the move to mass production. Uh, most people have heard of Henry Ford and, and so on. The third one was the kind of the uh, big move towards kind of home computers and, and so on, the kind of having computers everywhere. But then the, the next one, the one where we're at now, is at the kind of second level of kind of computing. So people have mostly heard of concepts like artificial intelligence, big data, and uh, probably less people have really heard of the the thing called the Internet of Things. So where we're at at the moment is most people probably don't realize that sort of only half of the devices that are connected to the Internet are are devices like like laptops and, and mobile phones and so on that are directly controlled by people. The other half are things which are connected into a whole load of other devices like uh, traffic lights, like components in cars and so on. The bits of the Internet are things that people are most most familiar with are likely to be things like kind of Google Home Hub and, and Amazon Alexa and, and things like that. So it's starting to to be integrated within within people's homes. But the key thing within this is that by having uh, devices which are increasingly woven into the whole fabric of the world that we live in, that there's a whole load of data which is being collected and the, the potential power to analyze that data in order for people to make better informed decisions is absolutely uh, dramatic, particularly when artificial intelligence is able to help make use of, of that, all that data. Okay. Um, I mean, we're, we're in kind of, you know, we're in a situation at the moment. The world is the way that the world is right now. Um, we're in a fairly unprecedented situation and, you know, people are kind of talking a lot about, you know, when they're able to get back to the office or, you know, when they're coming off furlough and, and things like that. So this seems like kind of a, maybe a slightly unusual time to be thinking about something like a fourth industrial revolution. So why is this kind of relevant right now? Well, it's relevant for two reasons. I mean, one key reason is that actually people are much more open to thinking about the potential of digital technology than they were even at the beginning of the year, because ultimately lots of people have been working from home. They've been kind of starting to realize that actually ignoring digital isn't an option. You know, it's like in in, in a very, very much in the short term, lots of companies are realizing that they're in order to be able to continue to operate and and make money uh, whilst people are needing to work from home that a whole level of digitization is absolutely necessary or they can't uh, they can't function but much more importantly i'd say is that it, moving into the kind of medium and long term is uh, the cost of dealing with uh, covid-19 is is potentially dramatic it's like obviously the furlough scheme is is costing the government a bit of money but then ultimately there's been loads of talk about the fact that we're likely to be heading into a huge recession. Now, my perspective is that actually that is a choice, not a a necessity, not an inevitability, because 
if we accept the fact that we're in, we are moving into, or we are already in the fourth industrial revolution, the potential for economic, rapid economic growth is is huge. But it's only going to be rapid if we invest in the things which are needed in order to get it really growing and for the UK economy to actually really embrace the, the changes that are taking place. But I'd say in order for that to happen, we need the government to invest in the right way. So rather than just letting the, the recovery ha happen as it happens, it, ne it, it needs to be targeted. So if we think back to the financial crash in 2008, there was quite a lot of money being which was put into the economy to get it growing. People have heard of things like quantitative easing and so on, but it wasn't very targeted. So what I'm saying here is that actually if we if a similar amount of money goes into the economy, perhaps probably more because the the, the level of, of recession is, is being predicted to be significantly higher. But if that was rather than kind of randomly just pumped into the economy for people to spend however, but if it was targeted at the kind of digital areas that are likely to grow, then that's likely to have much more impact to potentially enable the UK to be a kind of world leader as opposed to potentially trailing behind in certain ways. The other thing, if we think about uh, one of the other challenges that are kind of, is kind of looming is the idea of climate change, that we also need to be thinking about actually how our economy responds in relation to that. Because if we don't think about climate change, we could spend a whole load of money getting the economy growing and then the potential economic cost of dealing with climate change could be significantly higher. So we need a digital revolution that is uh, is also green. And and what are the kind of signs that you're seeing in terms of the noises from the government? How likely it is that, that this is something that, you know, they are going to kind of heavily invest in? Well, I'm not hearing noises that suggesting that they are, but I'm certainly hearing noises from the government that, we're likely to be heading into a significant recession. Uh, so ultimately, you'd hope that if the government are very aware that we're likely to be heading into a significant recession or even a depression, unemployment rates are increasing. Well, it wouldn't be a very caring, proactive government to just go, oh, we're, gonna he we're he heading into a recession, but we're not going to do anything about it. That would be not a great thing. What 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 does this kind of mean for for businesses then? So from um, I mean we're we're talking specifically here about kind of Sheffield. So for an average business in Sheffield, what does this really kind of mean to them? And, and what kind of you know changes are we going to be potentially looking at kind of on the ground? Well, just looking at it from a very academic perspective or a very slightly academic perspective, there's a couple of uh, people called Tapscott and Williams. They wrote a book called Wikonomics and with the whole sub the subtext of that was the the phrase mass communication will change everything so the, at the center of this is that most obviously you need to be that companies need to be thinking about the technology they use and and, and, and so on and making sure everything's digitized uh, thinking about how how data is collected and analyzed and so on but fundamentally this is about a lot more than just the technology it's about how we think about business just as much as how we think about the technology so one of the key things here is that in terms of management structures in the, the kind of traditional way of managing an organization in the 20th century was quite a top down hierarchical model. Information is collected. It, get, it escalates up to the top. The, the chief exec and senior managers make sense of that. They decide the strategy and so on and so forth, which takes things forward. 
one of the huge changes that has happened is that because information technology en enables the possibility of information to be cascaded through organizations, then that opens up the potential of having radically different business models. So if you think about the, the fact that actually it's not necessarily going to be the chief execs, the people at the top who are going to have the best ideas. Sometimes people who are kind of more at the, more, more at the front line, people who are dealing with customers, people who are involved in production and so on, sometimes they will spot stuff that will the, the chief exec wouldn't spot because they're not dealing with those, those problems at the, the coalface, so to, so to speak. So actually there, there's this idea that rather than having all of the decision-making being concentrated at the top, but actually if you have a much more flexible structure that allows resources to follow the people with the best ideas, then you could potentially have much greater innovation. And that with that greater innovation is the change and, and the, the potential to, to come up with new ideas and to innovate and to change. Okay, Tim. I mean, it, it sounds great to me. I'm, I'm, I've always been fascinated by AI and, and kind of what that can, can bring. Um, you know, I love connected devices. Um, you know, what the Internet of Things could achieve seems really exciting. What what's the downside? You know, there must be industries that that ultimately are going to lose out if you know other industries take off. So so what what's the negatives here? Well, the negatives, I think, I'd say there's two different parts to it. The, the one part of the negatives, exactly as you described it, is the fact that actually uh, some companies will no longer be relevant when the world changes. The other part of the of it is is much more of a kind of wider uh, social level in terms of the, the really real negative impacts that 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 this kind of change could have on society. So if I take the first part of, of that, I remember years back, I was at a smart city conference and one of the speakers stated that every organization that doesn't move towards a industry 4.0 business model will collapse within the next 10 years. Now, that might be a little bit frightening from some organizations' perspectives, but ultimately it's it's about change, it's about rapid change and so on. And ultimately there's a whole loads of business theory, the idea of disruptive innovation and so on, that suggests that it happens again and again. If you think about Kodak, think about Blockbuster, companies that didn't change got overtaken. And ultimately we don't need to think beyond our own borders. Think about what's happening, happening around the world. Think about the uh, growth of China and, and so on. And I'd say that if we don't make those changes in our companies in Sheffield and in the rest of the United Kingdom, we could be left behind internationally. So it's about, uh, so at the moment, the UK is the sixth biggest economy in the world. If we do not embrace the fourth industrial revolution and companies in other countries do, in another 10, 20 years time, we could be the 20th largest economy in the world. And the impact on, on everybody in the UK is going to be significant because that throws up really difficult challenges about the extent to which that we can afford to pay for the NHS, social care, and actually repay the debt uh, that, that is uh, occurred from dealing with the COVID-19 and further down the line climate change. The second part of it, in terms of the, the whole other wider, more societal risks, is that I've given quite a utopian perspective of how this kind of technologies could potentially improve productivity and, and, and change the world for the better. But there's a, another side of it, which is actually 
they might improve business, but they, that these kind of changes could have unforeseen consequences that, that we need to consider. So if we think about things like the the app that's been talked about with in relation to, to COVID-19, about the, the fact that in order to get us out of lockdown, we need to be thinking about actually having an app on our phone to, to deal with contact tracing and so on. One of the debates that, that's really sprung up connected to that is around issues like social control and surveillance, the extent to which we want, we're prepared to sacrifice privacy. And those debates around the, the kind of social control and, and, and privacy versus efficiency and economic gain and, and so on, it was very much at the core of, of the stuff that I was looking at in my PhD. And what I would say in terms of that is that it's about how things are implemented. It's like by harnessing artificial intelligence, I'm not suggesting that we should defer to the machine. That's that's uh, actually, I concluded that that wasn't a good way forward. What we really need is uh, a real solid foundation of kind of computer human interaction, because we need to keep people as very much part of this, just partly because actually there's so many cases where computing by themselves has kind of failed that we actually need to think about is actually that, that computers are great. There's loads of things that computers can do really well. And that includes things like artificial intelligence, but there's a lot of things that people do well and will always do, do well. So for example, if you take something like artificial intelligence, it's great at analyzing a whole load of data in order to get, in order to, to inform decisions. But we also need to consider the fact that, well, it, with all data sources, somebody has decided what data is collected, what data is analyzed, and there will be whole loads of bias and distortion within that. So if we cut the people out of that decision making, then you get the black box effect where the kind of computer comes up with this suggestion, but no one really knows the pro how, how that's come, come across. And there's a whole loads of risk in that. If I give you one example of this is a few years back, Amazon created a artificial intelligence to try and help with recruitment. And it, it was kind of through so through machine learning was analyzing well what are the characteristics of the, the the people in the organization that are most successful the people in the organization that are having the biggest impact and so on, and what they ended up with was a was a system that was predominantly recruiting white middle class men, <laughs> and so eventually it had to be scrapped because of uh, because it was discriminating and if you think about it then actually it's fairly obvious because ultimately what it was doing, it was it was trying to replicate the people who were in the more senior positions at that point in time. Now, it's not, not difficult to think that that's not necessarily a good thing. So we need people to be involved to make sure that those kind of issues don't play out. You mentioned in there about the significance of, you know, if the UK kind of lags behind on, on, on this and, and therefore the importance of the UK being at the forefront of, of that. Thinking kind of a little bit kind of closer to home in terms of, you know, Sheffield as a city has uh, perhaps kind of quite recently been um, touted as a bit of a growing force when it comes to digital industries. Is, is, is there an opportunity here for Sheffield to kind of be one of the, the leaders for this kind of revolution? I think there absolutely is. I mean, the other thing to consider with Sheffield is the fact that it also has two very large universities. 
the proportion, the number of academics and students in the city is very big. We've got more than 60,000 students in the cities during term time. That's, it's, we've got slightly more than 10% of the population being, of the, being students. So from a growth situation, so you've got the, the fact that actually if, if this whole area of our economy really grows, the potential to recruit people into it is significant because there's a lot there's a lot of pe- university educated people coming out who could potentially be, be employed. But the other side of it is that there's in terms of uh, from an academic perspective that there's a significant level of expertise. Now, Sheffield Hallam University, which where I, where I work, where I do some, some of my work, is got this ambition to be the world's leading applied university. Now, in terms of that, it, that, that I think there's a real opportunity to connect academia with business in order to help solve a whole load of different social and economic challenges in this way. So if we think about uh, other cities, if you think about Cambridge, for example, I mean, okay, you, most people don't think of Cambridge and Sheffield as being particularly similar, but ultimately that Cambridge is a, a city that is been very growing significantly and ultimately the industry the kind of knowledge industry that has grown up around cambridge has very much fueled by the research that takes place in the university so what i'm suggesting here is that actually by having synergy between uh, academia and and the digital business that you're talking about, that there's a real potential to look at there. I I wrote another little blog a while back, which on the title of uh, that the the future of Sheffield is its cutting edge. So kind of connecting the idea of the the steel uh, from the city's past with the kind of cutting edge of, of digital technology that needs to be embraced in order to take the city forward. So, by taking this, this approach forward, that, well, there's no, it's not impossible that in the future that Sheffield couldn't be, couldn't become one of the most wealthy cities in, in the UK. It's like, it, it's just because at this point in time that, that, that economic change has happened and, and there's been lots of poverty in, in the city and, and, and so on. Actually, we're in another, we're in a new revolution, new industrial revolution. Uh, in the first industrial revolution, Sheffield was a very prosperous city. Why can't it become a, a really prosperous city again in the fourth industrial revolution? But we need to embrace this. But I'd say that actually there's a lot of expertise in, in lots of different ways in, in the city that could really be harnessed in, in terms of really taking this forward. Tim, you mentioned in there about the fact that you, you, you do some work at, at Sheffield Hallam University. So um, just tell us a, a, a little bit more, if you would, about kind of who you are and what you do. So there's two different parts to myself. So part of the time I work as an uh, academic and I actually my, my work there straddles across uh, the healthcare and business, but I'm really interested in the whole, this whole digital area. So in my PhD, I was kind of looking very much at, at the kind of connections between digital business and digital health, which looked at kind of some a lot of the kind of ideas that I've been talking about today in, in, in relation to how things like industry 4.0 ideas around big data and so on could potentially improve healthcare efficiency. But the other side, the other part of my work is being a digital innovation consultant. So again, kind of looking, being very specifically interested in looking at how companies can help transform their business models to take advantage of the industry 4.0 and and, and so on. And in the past, I used to work in the arts. So I've got a whole load of uh, creative techniques that I use in, in that work to take forward. And, I, and I've set up a little blog called uh, 
Digital Tim. You can find it on www.digitaltim.uk. Uh, you can find there and you can see some of the stuff that I'm interested in and you can follow me and, and, and so on. Brilliant. Well, that was going to be my final question, really, which was just if, you know, if anyone does want to find out more about you or particularly on your, you know, your thoughts and the, um, the, the, the research and work that you've done on, on this particular subject, what's the best way of doing that? So would that be through your blog? Yeah, the best thing to do is to, is to, uh, to, to find my blog and follow me and, and I will put links to everything else I'm doing on there over time. It's quite, quite a new blog at the moment, but it will develop over time. So if I can just uh, say what that is again, just one more time, it's uh, www.digitaltim.uk. But also within that is I, I'd quite like to make that interactive and the interactivity is very key to, to what is needed. This kind of idea of collaborate, collaboration through digital is a key part of what we need in order to take advantage of the fourth industrial revolution. So on that is I don't just want that to be a one way communication channel for me to communicate my ideas. Actually, I'm really keen for people to engage with me to kind of get a bit of discussion going through through that. And actually, it's that bringing together ideas from multiple different people that is going to lead to innovation and is going to really take things forward. So it would be great if people can uh, can engage with me uh, through that, not just follow me. Brill. Um, Tim, thank you very much for your time today. I appreciate it. And um, some really fascinating stuff to think about there. And be really interested to see how things play out in the kind of post COVID era. Thank you for your time. No worries. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Find us at steelcitybusiness.com and subscribe to get our new episodes first.